Welcome to Her Untold Journey podcast. I'm your host, Kiana Her. This podcast is all about sharing the untold journeys of women entrepreneurs. Each story unveils the incredible, yet untold, lives of warrior women who have defied expectations, broken down barriers, blazed their own trails, pushed the boundaries of language, and expressed their creativity with resilience. I'm honored to embark on this journey to shine the light on these extraordinary women of their courage, resilience, and triumph as inspiration, healing, hope, and values to all of us. In today's episode, we will have Diane Shelton, a remarkable entrepreneur who left her homeland to start a new life in America. Her journey is a testament to the strength of human spirit that as long as you don't give up and continue to persevere, anything is possible. Without further ado, please help me welcome Diane Shelton to her Untold Journey podcast. Diane, you may go ahead, introduce yourself, and share with us your untold journey. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Diane Shelton. I am excited to share with you because I feel like this is one of those things that I don't really share very often. I'm a first-born immigrant. I grew up in the Philippines. My mom and my younger brother, I'm the oldest in my family, and yet I'm not the tallest. <laughs> We moved from the Philippines halfway to Minnesota. Ever since then, that kind of set me on track to have lots of leaps of faith where it's just like, okay, like there's so many unknowns and it's scary. And at the same time, it just kind of leads you to what I would never have imagined to be better places. And besides doing my um, big leap, to move halfway around the world. I've also like quit my job to start my business. Ever since that one big leap, it just kind of transported to many other amazing things that I've made happen for my life as well. I am the founder of Passion Breakthrough. I help multi-passionate entrepreneurs, mostly women, to kind of help them with their online offers because my background is in IT and my MBA, so kind of getting them with their online offer strategy to get them going with their business in the online space. Diane, you described your journey from the Philippines to the U.S. What was that feeling like initially, and did you experience a culture shock? It was, it was so scary. Honestly, it was one of those things where, um, it was before Facebook. (laughs) Um, so there was no way to really keep in touch with my friends. I had to pack my stuff in two boxes, kind of like having all of your life pulled uprooted, knowing that there's, uh, this is it, right? Like you're leaving everything behind. And what would you take with you, right? Like imagine like having your house full of stuff and then one day just waking up and be like, okay, we're doing it. We're just, we're going for it. No turning back now. (laughs) And you don't know what's waiting for you on the other side. This was going to be the first time we were going to be in the U.S. I didn't know what to pack. (laughs) I just remembered one was full of clothes and, you know, like at the time, like stuff toys and all of the memorabilia. The other one was full of books and things that would fill my head with knowledge and all of the plans. And it was very unbalanced. One was super light, one was super heavy. (laughs) But we moved forward. And I remember the first thing that we did was ordered Starbucks. 
And just that one thing alone, the culture shock of like, oh my gosh, this is worth $3 and so many cents back in the day. And it's just like, um, and then we converted it to our Filipino pesos. And it's just like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all of those different things that you have to remember that, you know, as you're moving forward, you're still going to um, kind of, you have to lean in because you're going to come across those kind of tensions that you, you're used to one thing, right? Like only buying, buying coffee that are, you know, making it at your, at your house. Or, you know, like if, like for me, like living in the Philippines, we didn't spend $3 for coffee. <laughs> uh, so little things like that, that add up that you're going to keep, um, progressing your journey and you're going to want to make sure that you're really tuning into, is this really what you want, right? Like, is this moving you forward? Is this just little things that you want to kind of make happen for yourself and making sure you're on the right path and then, again, inspire others alongside of you too? What were some of the challenges that you had to overcome in Minnesota to achieve your goals? In Minnesota, it's it's better now, but when we first, first moved here, um, I remember the plane was landing. So we moved from Manila, which is like one of the most densely populated um, cities in the world. And then we moved to Princeton, Minnesota, which is a very farmland. <laughs> and it's just like your neighbors are like three miles away from you. And it's just like, oh my gosh, what is going on? <laughs> and so just the, cold, the, the shock of the societal expectations and the fact that um, we were one of the very few um, minorities, really, like when we talk minority, we were definitely, I feel like I was, besides a foreign exchange student um, who didn't really live here, they were just here for one semester, I was the only Asian person. The rest were like, you know, light colored people around me. And it was um, a little bit intimidating. I barely spoke English. We learned English in school, but through writing. So I didn't really practice English, but my accent was so thick. I could barely understand everyone around me because it's just like, okay, like I, I don't know what they're saying. I didn't understand the, the, um, the jokes. I had to learn it through TV shows like Friends. Um, and so just having to all of a sudden, all the preparation I thought I was preparing myself with. Now, in theory, that was all good, but now reality hit, and now all of those applications have to be kind of put into test, right? Like kind of like when I went to school and then um, applying it in real life, going to corporate and all these things, it's just like it's still different, right? Like you have to keep practicing, keep honing those skills, and that's what I realized is that the reality of it all is that you have to just be in, immersed in that culture, in that situation. Before moving to America, you stated you had acquired English through writing. How much of it, though, did you understand and speak it then? A little bit. Like I, we learned, you know, like back in, in school for me, we had like one hour of English maybe like every other day. Um, to learn it. I knew English, but not like the fast way that people speak it in the U.S. and not with the the accent, not like the culture. Like my my sister right now have certain certain um, words that they use, right? Like drip 
or like we used to say bling for accessories when I was about her age. So there's different types of words that they use. That's just like, I don't know what that means. So I had to learn certain things that were not necessarily in the dictionary that I got to memorize back in the day. You mentioned the show Friends previously. Was the show one of the crucial components that assisted you in improving your English language proficiency? Oh my gosh, like there's, <laughs> as embarrassing as it sounds, when I first watched that show, I'm just like, I don't get it. I, I don't know what's going on here. But you just have to like pay attention and just like, oh, okay, I kind of get it. Um, and yeah, so, um, luckily it was, it kept me company. It kept me to kind of understand the dynamic of how people act here. Um, and again, like the culture, the, the fun, um, vibe that people have. Um, and those kinds of stuff. So, so yeah, friends was a little bit of how I learned how to assimilate in the culture. <laughs> that is true. For best results, we gotta immerse ourselves in every part of the culture, particularly the speaking and linguistic aspects. So, Diane, how old were you when you immigrated to America? I was so mad because I was about to turn 16. So this was like, I, I'm like in my mid-30s now. So I was like um 20 years ago, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's the one thing that I wanted to do with my friends. I was about to turn 16 and like teenage problems. <laughs> so yeah, so I was, um I was turning 16 the same month that we moved here in America. I remember because it was, um, it's actually turning, it's about October and turning cold and 70 some degrees to me back then was super cold. And I remember that, you know, like 80 degrees, 90 degrees was like the normal temperature that I was used to. But nowadays, like that's actually 60 degrees is the temperature I prefer nowadays. <laughs> what has been the greatest struggle for you to overcome since being here in the U.S.? Um, you know, I feel like what I went through in terms of um going through that big it it set my trajectory, right? Because when when we were in the Philippines, I you know, like I didn't necessarily have as much opportunities to set what I wanted to do growing up. Like I I I wanted to do something for a college. But the likelihood of me getting a job that I, in the field that I wanted, which at the time was in computer science, was less likely. Like there's more competition. It opened up a world of opportunities for me to be in the U.S., to be able to be one of the women, because especially in the STEM field, in the science and technology field, there's a lot more um, need for diversity. So it was still challenging to get up the corporate ladder to go for what I want because I've always wanted to go for computer science even back in the Philippines. So I knew that even when I came to the U.S., that's what I wanted was to do like IT management. I did that. And then again, like in the Minnesota, in Minnesota, since it's still Midwest, there's still a lot, a lack of uh, female Asian in the, in the corporate uh, leadership. So me trying to feel like I had to continue to prove myself, right? Like I had to show them that it's not that I'm young, 
it was more of that I studied hard and that I actually show up to do the work and that I know what I'm doing. So it felt like even though it was me against another male colleague that may have had similar experiences than me, it was more of trying to show them that, hey, like I actually know the stuff that I'm doing um, and always having those types of situations. Um, and so over time, what I had to do is actually because of my experiences, I felt like I wanted to mentor other women as well. So that it's just like, you're not alone. <laughs> I've been through that. I feel I feel the pain that you're going through. And so that's kind of what started me on the journey to, hey, I actually like mentoring. I actually like helping other women in the online space to be like, okay, like I, I know what it's like to be on the always trying to prove yourself, always trying to chase the next thing that may set your trajectory and feeling alone and feeling like you're the only one that, is doesn't know what's going on and you have to watch some TV show or some YouTube video to try to make sense of it all. Given the challenges you faced in your previous career, did you ever thought about giving up since the industry you're in was and is still largely dominated by men? I'm not sure if it was more giving up um, because I was I was really successful in my career, right? Like I, I made like... um multi-six figure, I led global teams and delivered like multi-million dollar projects. So I loved what I did. I felt like I was making a difference in both the projects and the people that were in my teams and stuff like that. But the difference was that I was, as I was learning more about myself, I was honing in on what I loved more, which to me, it was more of um, the, the mentoring, right? Like, because on the side, like outside of the working hours, I was mentoring the women and some of them were um, getting their businesses launched because they they were honing in on what they want to do. And it's just like for them, it's just like, OK, well, IT is not for me. I'm just going to start my own business. Um, and because I have my MBA, I'm able to still guide them, even though they weren't in IT anymore. And so over time, I realized that, hey, like I also... <laughs> I enjoy this part the most in my in my career, and because I have my MBA, why don't I just walk the talk and also just you know like um, give it my all? I'm I'm used to taking the leap of faith anyway, and if I really want to lean in on my own passion and show up as my best self, um, that's really what I need to do. It's just like lean in on the mentoring, which is what I loved and enjoy doing. Ever since doing that, nowadays. I think the last I counted, I have like students in like 167 different countries. So I've created like different types of trainings. I never would have imagined me taking that big leap of faith of giving up that like, like the steady income to be able to make that difference, right? So it's just been kind of mind blowing journey. Was there a feeling of certainty when you made the shift? to permanently mentoring and coaching other women, given that you have been mentoring along the way while still working as an IT. Like, I know where I'm going. You don't feel like anyone really knows where they're going. <laughs> but it's been fun. And so it's been challenging for sure, because I feel like when you're not challenged, you're in your comfort zone, right? Like, it's just growth happens when you feel challenged is how I notice at least for myself so when i have leaned into that uncomfortableness 
And it's just like proving, not necessarily to the world, but to myself, that I am capable, that I this is what I want, and I'm stubborn enough <laughs> that I'm going to go for it. So when I continue to evolve and continue to hone in on what it is really that I want and how the the impact and the legacy that I want to leave behind, making space for yourself, right? Like kind of like leaving behind all the baggages and only carrying two bucks with you. Um, what it is, what is it that you can carry with you as you continue to up level and continue to move forward? I think that's a challenge, like a learning as you up level what, what it is that you can take with you, what it is that you should leave behind. How can you fine tune those things? Because I think like sometimes we get so caught up in the decision overload and we create plans and yet we never actually move forward to the next step. What is it that genuinely inspires you to do what you do now? I understand you revealed some of it earlier, but there must be something that pushed you to make the move and say, I just got to go for it. Well, the name of my business is Passion Breakthrough. Originally, my vision is to help everybody pursue their passion and have a breakthrough because that's where the fun begins and happens. But I realized early on in doing that part of the business that you cannot help everybody figure out what they want when they grow up. <laughs> and so it became clearer to me that my zone of genius is the online space, right? Like I'm really good with helping people set up their business to kind of get online, get their offers, alignment with them that resonates with their audience, that get visibility and get them sales. So I leaned in on my zone of genius. I clarified, I um, I made sure that that is in alignment with myself and resonates with my audience. So kind of embodying what I teach my clients, again, like it's an evolution the other reason why I decided to kind of, again, like go from the leap of faith from corporate to this, personally, it's because I want the freedom, right? Like not just financial, but the time freedom. And then also to inspire my siblings. So when we moved here, my mom remarried. And then I have two younger siblings. Um, so I have my little sister who's going to college right now. And then our littlest brother, who is the tallest in our family, is um, like figuring out what he wants for to do college. He's like a, a sophomore this year. So inspiring them that, you know, even if you go to college and then you decide later that you don't want to do that anymore, it's okay. Like nothing is set in stone and you are always in control of your life. You're always in control of your decisions. Sometimes hearing people say that, you know, like it goes into one ear and out the other, or it's just like, okay, well, that's great advice, thanks. But to actually see someone who living that kind of life is different because then you get to see an example, a role model. So I wanted to kind of show them that, you know, like as much as it can be like a roller coaster sometimes and it can be challenging sometimes, you still get to define what that looks like for you. You get to be in control of what that life looks like for you. And that's what I want my siblings to be able to be part of my journey and to see that for themselves. That is a fantastic response. And I can empathize with that because I too have younger siblings as well. So my next question is, what is the best advice you can give to women who want to establish their own business without going through so much difficulty? Um, the one thing that I wish I would have done early on, especially I feel like as high achieving women, 
who are here to make a difference. We're just, we've been trained. Um, I don't know if it's any Asian women, but for me, I was trained to be, as the oldest in my family, I'm supposed to be responsible for everyone. I'm not supposed to ask for help. So asking for help has been something that I had to learn. And it has costed me time and my own sanity. And it's not as fun to do things on your own, right? Like I have my MBA and it's just like, okay, well, I, I know, I know how to run a business. I've done it before. <laughs> and so it's just one of those things that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength that you are brave enough to say, Hey, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I need to partner up with someone else so that I can get to my goals faster because I'm here to leave a big impact. I want to leave a legacy and I want to do it faster so I can have, I can reach more people. So make sure that you are checking in with yourself to make sure that you are, um, you know, like the humility goes a long way. What an empowering answer. So how are you using this similar idea to help other women more strategically in your business, particularly those who come to you for coaching? So these days, the way that I help my clients is really more of when they have their ideas, their offers, and then we fine tune that, right? So when my clients come to me, typically what happens is that either they already have an offer and yet they feel like, okay, well, I don't have any clients or don't have as much clients that they can serve, or they have many offers and they, they are kind of draining their energy and they're not, they're kind of, you know, hamster wheel and trying to figure out which direction to go. So we really clarify which direction was the best for them, not necessarily because we want the money. We're not money-hungry capitalists. We're here as heart-centered. We want the money to be the vehicle, the, the fuel to get us farther and keep up-leveling us, right? So the offer clarity leads to more money in the bank that then fuels our mission so that we can help more people. And then on top of that, because of my computer science background, I can then help kind of hone in on the simple systems that will then help them to continue to up-level without having to do much of the manual work so that they can get the sales more on autopilot. Autopilot, that is the magic word for one approach to effectively expand any business that fits it. So how did you find your first client when you first started your company without any clients? If you're talking about like when I first found out the, the first person that I mentored, it was um, right. not paid. It was someone that I mentored through the corporate setting, right? So she came to me because she wanted to climb up the corporate ladder because, again, like I was in the IT leadership. Um, so we got paired up so that I can help her try to figure that out. So that was my first mentorship opportunity to help her. And then again, like she decided she didn't, she wanted out. She got her own business set up and then I helped her set up her business that way. In the business side, I, um, the first client that I helped from a paying client perspective, she already had an offer. She already knew that she, she had like 
so many more followers than me. <laughs> she had like tens of thousands of followers. And so she just needed more honing in on how can she serve all of these people already in her um, in her world, right? Like, it's just like, okay, vanity metrics is good because then you get more visibility, but now how can we convert that to more sales? So with the work we did together was more of creating more of formula that makes it easier for her followers to get to know her, get to know her brand. And then also, again, like getting to have her not work so hard for her money so that she's not one-on-one working with all 10,000 people in a more group setting, in a more automatic way. How does it feel to be your own boss now? And given your success in IT, would you ever consider returning to it? I get asked that by my friends all the time. Because it's just like I, again, like I, it's not that I didn't like it. It's just that, and I was good at it. It's just that I feel like I found my calling. Um, so I don't, I, I never say never. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like it's this path that I'm on right now. I don't see myself ever quitting it. Like right now in my office, I have like oranges in my background, right? Like, I feel like I can be myself in this space. When I was in IT, you still had to kind of conform to what IT management is supposed to be like. I worn the button-up shirts. I worn the, you know, like the professional high heels and stuff like that. I'm barefoot in my office right now. (laughs) So it's just little things like that that now I feel like I get to be myself even more. um, And I get to set my own rules. I love the way that I get to show up for myself. I love the kinds of people that I get to bring into my world and that I get to then inspire them to show up the way that they want in their world. So all around, I love the things that I'm doing. So I can never see myself giving that up right now. In regards to your business, could you share a little bit more about your company and how people can connect with you? Yeah, so my handle is Passion Breakthrough everywhere, like Instagram and um, on Facebook and all of these places. And my website is the same, passionbreakthrough.com. So the best way that I provide a lot of free resources is my Facebook group. So just go on passionbreakthrough.com slash community to get access to it. Otherwise, if people are looking for like one-on-one support or if they are curious to learn how we can work in a more um, like intimate setting with other entrepreneurs as well. I have my academy. So just DM me, like, let's have a conversation. Let's have a communication in terms of what you need. Um, Just message me the word strategy and let's have a conversation. And then I'll point you whether I have a resource for you or whether, you know, like you and I working together is a good fit. That is something that you and I can discuss the moment that we have a conversation. Diane, thank you so much for coming today to share your untold journey with us. I look forward to have you again in the future. That will be lovely. I love that. Great. Awesome.